You're listening to a presentation of Arising, a community of faith designed to see people far from God raise a true life. We're always encouraged to know God is changing lives through this ministry. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know and send an email to stories at wearetherising.com. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear a word from God. I love that song. That's great. This is going to be the best day of my life. Man, you should, you should wake up every morning and say that phrase. Like, every morning you wake up, you should just say, this is going to be the best day of my life. And I hope, I hope you said that this morning when you woke up, that today is going to be the best day of my life because you knew that you were coming here. And I hope you woke up and you say, God, you got something to say to me today. You got something that you're going to do in my life today. You got a way that you're going to change me today. And so I know today is going to be the best day of my life. And, and, and there's further, here, here's further evidence why you should say that. Because last night, somebody planned on waking up this morning and they didn't. And so you woke up today. You're alive today. And so this really has the potential to be the best day of your life. And, and, and today I want to talk to you not, not so much about how today can be the best day of your life, but really about the best year of your life, how 2015 has the potential to be the best year of your life. And, and, and as we move into to New Year's Eve, I wonder how many of you guys have, have made a New Year's resolution? Just, just make some noise if you made a New Year's resolution, yeah? Okay, cool. Some of you, some of you, that's cool. I mean, not a, not a whole lot, that's cool. Um, <laughs> no, I love, I love New Year's resolutions, though, because uh, they really propel us forward into the future. And so whatever your, your New Year's resolution is, if it's to, to quit smoking, to get out of debt, to be more organized, to spend more time with your family, whatever it is, it's a good thing because it's all about how can I be the best me that I can be. But uh, one of the problems with New Year's resolutions and uh, one of the reasons why a lot of people don't make them is because um, you make a resolution. I, I know I've done this before. Like I make a resolution and then two weeks into the year I break it. Like I don't, I don't really follow through on that. Let, let, let's try this. How many of you, <laughs> you're, you're with me there. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one who everybody else is perfect. But uh, let's try this. How many of you have already broken your New Year's resolution? None? Okay, good. No, you shouldn't have broke it yet because the year hasn't even started yet. But, um, but, but what happens is sometimes we make a resolution and then we, and then we break it. And, and, and I just want to let you know real quick that, that just because you break your resolution, it didn't mean that you failed, right? Just because you fall doesn't mean that you failed. And, and somebody needs to know today that your, your failure is not final. But when you, when you fall, you have the option to get back up. You don't have to give up. I heard, I heard about this one guy who had quit smoking, and he was clean for nine months, and uh, then he went back to smoking a pack a day. And his friend noticed it, and he, and he asked him, he said, what, what, what happened? Why did you go back to smoking a pack a day? And the guy said, I, I, I messed up. I was, I was good for nine months, but then I failed, and I had a cigarette. And then I thought, well, since I failed, I might as well just go back to smoking. But, but his friend said, no. Like, you had one cigarette. It didn't mean you had to go back to a pack a day. You didn't fail. You just fell. And so somebody today needs to know that just because you fall, it doesn't mean you failed, and your failure is not final, and when you fall, you can get back up. You don't have to give up, and I'm preaching too early. This is just the introduction. So let me, let me just introduce this thing. I'll get it off the ground, and then we'll do some preaching later. But, um, but, but often when it comes to New Year's resolutions, if you made a New Year's resolution, chances are you are going to break it. Most likely, you are not going to meet your goal, all right? That's a nice, cheery message. Welcome to church. Uh, but but the, 
Scranton University did a research project and they discovered that 92% of resolutions never get met. That only 8% of people actually meet their goal in a resolution. But, but, but today I want to talk to you about how 2015 can be the best year of your life, not because you meet a goal in a resolution, but because of what God wants to do in your life and through your life if you'll let him this year. Like, like I really do believe that this year, 2015, has the potential to be the best year of your life. But, but before we can look forward to 2015, I think it's good to, to look back on 2014. Uh, have you guys seen Facebook's year in review? This, like, this, this thing has probably showed up on your timeline. They've given you your year in review. Um, you've seen other people's probably. I want to show you mine real quick. Uh, I, I wasn't really sure how to share it with you, and so I just uh, did a screen capture of everything. And so here, here's my year in review. Um, but, but I think it's really important as we look to the future, before we move forward, we need to look back, and we need to see how far we've come. We, we, we need to see the snapshots of the various things that have taken place in our life. I know as I was going over my year interview, it was really encouraging to me to, to see some of the things that I had experienced. It was good to see some of the highlights, some of the memories that I had. And so I think it's really important for us to look back before we move forward, because some of us, like, like you're in a situation right now and, and you feel discontent with where you are. Some of you, maybe you feel a bit entitled with where you are. Perhaps uh, you feel complacent with where you are. And I think, I think sometimes we get that way in our current situation in the present because we fail to look back at the past. See, when, when we look back at the past and we remember how far we've come and where we've been, it helps us better appreciate and understand where we are now. And then it lets us look forward to see the potential that lies ahead. And so uh, I want to base this message um, in, in, in the scriptural principle that we see of, of looking back, appreciating where we are, and then moving forward. And so if you have a Bible, would you open up to 1 Samuel chapter 7? verse 10. It's 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 10. Now, we're going to look at uh, an actual event in the history of Israel. It took place 3,050 years ago. It was a monumental event in the history of Israel, a defining moment in their history, uh, and, and, and it was a moment that, that really changed a lot for them. And so 1 Samuel chapter 7, starting in verse 10, here's, here's where it uh, picks up. It says, while Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, and real quick, Samuel uh, is the leader of Israel. He's the priest of Israel. Israel at this time doesn't have a king. Uh, they're more of a theocracy, and so they're ruled and led by the Jewish temple system, and Samuel is the priest, and so he's the leader. And so it's almost like God is their king, but Samuel's their leader, and he's leading the Israelites into this battle against the Philistines. The Philistines have taken over a lot of uh, Israelite territory, and now they're fighting the Philistines to push them back and to drive them back out of Israel. And so this is where 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 10 picks up. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day, the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mitzpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below beth Car. Verse 12, then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mitzpah and Shin. 
he named it Ebenezer, saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. And then Samuel took a stone and he set it between Mitzpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. Thus far the Lord has helped us. Now, the, the, the situation in Israel is this. You can see the outline of Israel uh, in the white on the map. And the Philistines have invaded and they've taken over a lot of territory in Israel. And it's right here at this place of Mitzpah that these men of Israel rush out and they begin fighting the Philistines and they start driving them back. And as they continue to fight, Samuel, at some point in, in the break of the fight, he, he stops and he sets up this Ebenezer. He sets up this stone. The word Ebenezer means stone of help. And so we actually sing about this in the song, Come Thou Fount. Like when we sing that song, Come Thou Fount, there's a line that says, um, here I raise mine Ebenezer. And, and, and maybe before like you, were, you, you would sing that song, you'd be like, what is, what is that about? Like Ebenezer Scrooge? I don't understand why we're singing about him. But, but that's what it is. When, when we say, here I raise mine Ebenezer, what we're doing is, is we're saying, it, it's at this moment in my life, through all the things that I've been through, all the things that I've gone through, uh, everything I'm experiencing now, I'm raising a stone in my life to say, God, you've brought me this far. This far have you brought me. And, and, and it's just a remembering stone. It's a, it's a marker. It's a monumental stone. And, and Samuel sets this up so that the Israelites can understand, hey, we've been in this battle for a little bit, and we've pushed the Philistines back just a little bit, but I want to set this up so that you can see just how far God has brought us. He's brought us to this point, and he hasn't brought us to this point to leave us, but he's brought us to this point so he can take us even further. But he said, before we go further, before we look ahead, let's stop and remember where we've been and what God has done in our life. Because God, if God has come through in the past, then God will surely come through in the future. And so Samuel sets up this, 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 this stone of health. And, and as you look back over the past year, as you look back over your life, God has brought you this far to this place here and now. As you, as you remember your year, I wonder how you would describe it. See, in, in a room this size, we have various stories, we have various journeys that are represented here. Uh, we've all experienced various things this past year. And some of you, as you look back on this past year, you would say, this has been one of the best years of my life. If, if next year is the best year of my life, it's going to be amazing. Because this year was an awesome year in my life. Because, because for some of you, you got, you got a new job this past year. You got a raise. You got a promotion. You got engaged. She said yes. You got married. Some of you, you had, you had a child or, or perhaps you adopted. For, for, for others of you, you, you got out of a, a, a really bad relationship, and that was a good thing for you. For some of you, this past year, you accepted Jesus as your Savior, and you were baptized into him. And so you would look back on this year, and you would say, this has been one of the best years of my life. This far has God brought me. And if he's brought me this far, and if he's done that this year, I can't wait for next year. But some of you, as you look back at 2014, uh, you would say, man, I wish it was the best year of my life. Like some of you look back on the past 365 days, and you say, this has been one of the worst years of my life. 
this has been just a horrible year. Because maybe for some of you, you, you lost your job. Or you lost somebody who was close to you. For others of you, you've been just trying to cope with loneliness. And you're single and you're wondering, why am I still single? For others, you've been in an abusive relationship. Perhaps you received a phone call with a diagnosis that you never wanted to hear. Some of you received the divorce papers this past year. For others of you, um, you've used your arms and legs as a canvas over which to run a razor blade. For some of you, you've suffered through infertility or the pain of a miscarriage. As you look back at 2014, you'd say it's been one of the worst years of my life because you've allowed alcohol or the images on a computer screen to drive you into a dark, secret life, and you hate it. For others of you, when you think back on this past year, there were times this year where you contemplated what the world would look like without you here. So I don't know what you would say about 2014, but for some of you, you'd say, this has been one of the worst years of my life. But here's the thing that I know, that whatever your story is, if this has been the best year, if this has been the worst year, if it's been a mix of both, perhaps there are highlights and lowlights in this past year, and it's just kind of been this, this hodgepodge of good and bad, whatever it is, whether it's been the best, the worst, or just the mix, here's the thing I know about each and every one of us, is that God has brought you this far that God has brought you here, in this moment, now. Thus far has the Lord helped you. And he didn't bring you here to leave you. It's not a coincidence that you're here at this church, that you're a part of this community. God has brought you here, I believe, because he wants to let you know that your best days are still ahead, that it's not over, and he's not done with you. Because if your best days weren't still ahead, you wouldn't be here anymore. But God has brought you this far because he wants to take you further. He wants to take you on to greater things this year. And I hope you believe that this morning, that whatever it is you've experienced, God has brought you this far, and he wants to take you further. He wants to take you to greater things. He wants to take you to bigger things. And so it's important for us to remember how far we've come so we can appreciate where we are. And, and if you had the best year of your life, it's only going to get better. Get ready. Here it comes. If you've had the worst year of your life, you can only go up from here. And so it's going to get amazing. But I really do believe that your best days are still ahead. Because if not, if not, you wouldn't be here anymore. God has something planned for you. God has a purpose for you. God has a meaning for your life. And I believe this is the year that he wants to show you what that is. Let's, let's keep reading to see what happens because Samuel sets up this Ebenezer. They remember how far they've come. They realize where they are. And he says, thus far, the Lord has helped us. But verse 13, because he didn't bring us this far to leave us, verse 13. So the Philistines were subdued and they stopped invading Israel's territory. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. The towns from Ekron to Gath that the Philistines had captured from Israel were restored, and Israel delivered the neighboring territory from the hands of the Philistines, and there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. And so well, well, the, the, the situation now looks 
like this, where God has brought them this far, but he didn't bring them that far so they could just celebrate and say, yay, this is awesome, let's just kind of hang out here and stay where we are. But he brought them that far so they could go on, and they continue to fight the Philistines. They drive them back towards the Mediterranean Sea, and then they reclaim a lot of their territory. And I just, I just noticed this now as I was reading it. I've been reading this a whole lot, but I just noticed this now. Verse 13 uh, verse 14, it says, the towns from Ekron to Gath that the Philistines had captured from Israel were restored. And then, and then it says, and Israel delivered the neighboring territory from the hands of the Philistines. So Israel, they didn't just take back what was theirs. I mean, that's a great year, right? You see the difference here, here, go, you, you see the difference here from, from where, they, where they were back at Mitzpah to now they've, they've driven them all the way back there. And, and they didn't just reclaim the towns of Gath and Ekron, but they also reclaimed the surrounding territories. They did above and beyond what they, what they could have or, or, or maybe even should have. And so God had brought them this far, but he wanted even greater things for them. See, I believe that God wants greater things for you in 2015. I, I really believe this can be the best year of your life, but in order for that to happen, it's going to take some work. Because you notice that when God brought them to that point, and Samuel set up the Ebenezer, and he said, this far has God helped us, um, they continued to fight the Philistines. Like, it doesn't say, and then God gave them all the land back. It doesn't say that God showed up with a butler suit on and a silver platter and said, here, here's your land. Like, he didn't just hand it over to them, but they had to do some work to reclaim that land. They had to continue to fight. They had to continue to drive the Philistines back. They had to do some things that uh, were probably really uncomfortable. I imagine war is a really uncomfortable thing. They, they had to stretch. They had to go beyond their comfort zone, probably, and they had to actually work for the future that God had for them. What if... Israel got to the remembering point and said, wow, this has been really amazing. Let's just live here. Well, they never would have experienced the peace that they did later on. See, at the end of verse 14, it said that they experienced peace throughout the rest of Samuel's lifetime. Well, if they hadn't have continued to work and fight and push the Philistines back, then they wouldn't have experienced the peace that God had for them. I believe that God has some great and amazing things for you this year and 2015, but it's going to take some work to do that. Like, I think this year that God is going to call you to do some things that you've never done before so that you can experience some things you've never experienced before. And that's good. I don't know if that's short enough to tweet, but if it is, you should tweet it. I'll say it one more time. I think God is going to call you this year to do some things you've never done before so that you can experience some things you've never experienced before. And if that was too fast, you just got to listen to it on the podcast and get that out. But, but really, I, I believe that God is going to call us this year to do some things that's going to make us uncomfortable. He's going to stretch us. He's going to pull us past our comfort zone so that we can experience some great and amazing things this year. But it's going to take work. It's going to be hard. Like, it's nice, it's inspirational, it's motivational for me to say 2015 can be the best year of your life, and I think we can get rallied around that, we can get charged up on that, and we can be like, yeah, that's going to be awesome, but it's going to take work to do it. Like, like, you can't just get excited about that and be like, okay, make it happen. No, you need to do some work and make it happen. The, the, the Israelites continue to fight the Philistines and push them back. And so I believe that this year, God wants to bring many of you to a place where you're in better physical health than you've ever been before. I think God wants to do that in, in some of your lives, but in order to do that, it's going to take work. 
it's going to mean that you join a gym, right? It means that, that you go to the gym. For some of you, it might mean that you hire a trainer, that you get a workout partner. You start managing what you eat. You budget your diet, right? I think for some of us, God wants to take us to the best place we've ever been in our physical health this year, but it's going to take work. I think, I think for many of us, God wants to take you to a place of deeper intimacy with him, of, of greater closeness with him. But it's going to take work to do that. It means, it means that, that you may need to carve out some time during your day to start reading the Bible. For some of you, this is the year where you pick up the Bible for the first time and you say, I'm going to start reading this. If you're not sure what to read, I'd recommend you start in uh, the book of Mark. It's a gospel. It's about Jesus' life. It's one of the shortest gospels. It's 16 chapters, so it's a quick read. Um, but get to know God. Get to know Jesus. And so it means that we need to carve out time in our day, in our week, to be with God and to not allow that time to get crowded out by the busyness of our day. For, for, for some of you, what it means is that you say, this year, I'm going to commit to going to church every Sunday unless I'm sick or dead, right? Like you just say, I'm going to be there because God, you're going to say something to me. For others of us, what that means to have a deeper intimacy with God, a closer connection with him, means that we need to do some work by praying some bolder prayers, by praying for bigger things, because we'll never see bigger things in our life unless we pray for bigger things and believe that God can bring them in our life. And so God cares about your cat. He cares about your aunt's toe, but he wants, I think, for you to pray for bigger things so you can see bigger things happen in your life. For some of you, for some of you, I think God wants to bring you to a place of greater generosity in your life this year. But in order to do that, he's going to have to stretch you. He's going to have to move you out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to do some work. It means you're going to have to create a b b budget, that you're going to have to make a budget where you write out your expenses each month and you keep track of that and, and, and you manage your money well. It, for some, it means that, that you're going to have to stop embracing debt and you're going to say, this is the year that I'm going to be debt free that I'm going to stop going into debt and I'm going to start paying off debt and I'm going to sacrifice and do whatever I need to do so that I don't have to be a slave to the credit card companies. It's going to take some work. For some of you, it means that you're brought outside of your comfort zone and you say, God, I'm just going to trust you with the first 10%. You've called me to do this. I'm going to trust you. It, it's going to require faith on my part. It's going to require that I budget, that I get out of debt. But I'm going to do this and I'm going to trust you with this. And as you do that, I believe that you'll see generosity well up in your life and you'll find a satisfaction like you've never found before. For, for some, this year, I think God wants to lead you to a place where you have a better marriage. But in order for you to get there, it's going to take work. It means that for some of you, you need to go into counseling. For, for, for others, it means that you need to make a date night and you say, honey, we're going uh, to set aside this time to have a date night and it's going to be work, but it's all right because we stopped dating when we got married and we need to start dating again each other, not other people, but, but we need to start dating again. Like, like, like for some of you, it means that, that you make a commitment to say, hey, we're going to have sex at least one more time a week than we normally do. The, the average married couple in America has sex two to three times a week. And if you're going to have sex that many times and even more, then it means, uh, men, that you're going to need to love her throughout the day so that she can love you that night. Okay? And so if you're loving her throughout the day and she's loving you that night, then y'all are in love. 
And if you're like, I got kids in here, that's why we got a great kids ministry. So, um, but, but no, 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 no. Like, like if, and, and maybe it's just saying, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dress nice around my spouse. Like you say, I'm not going to wear the PJs all the time. I'm going to dress nice around my spouse so that, so that you guys can, can be lovers again and not just roommates. For some of you, God wants to take you to the greatest place in your marriage that you've ever been this year. For, for others, he wants you to take, take you to a deeper place with your kids. So that's going to take some work, though. That means that you're going to have to put the phone down and actually look at them, that you're going to have to invest in them, that you're going to actually have to care about what they're saying and what they're doing, and you're going to have to spend time with them. I believe God wants to take us to greater places this year, but in order for that to happen, it's going to take work. It means that we have to get outside of our comfort zone. We have to stretch beyond what we're used to. And we have to do the things we've never done before so that we can experience the things we've never experienced before. Because I really believe that God has greater things in store for you this year if you'll allow him to lead you where he wants you to go. And so I think it's important as we think through this to, to remember where we've come so that we can appreciate where we are and realize this far has God brought us. But he didn't bring us this far to leave us because he has something greater in store. I want to... I want to take a moment to just kind of set up an Ebenezer for our church um, to just give you a, a monument, a, a marker of how far we've come so far as a church. And uh, I, I say this a lot um, because I never want for us to take this for granted. Um, it, it's so easy to take something for granted. Like when you see great and amazing things, it's easy to take it for granted like it's normal. But I never want us to take this for granted. Like, like I'm, I'm a Patriots fan. And... Um, the Patriots are in the playoffs this year. They've, they've clinched a bye week, and they're really at the top spot of the playoffs. They're pretty much the best team. And, uh, but, <coughs> but, but here's the thing. Like, I'm not surprised by that. Like, it does not surprise me that the Patriots are in the playoffs because they've been in the playoffs um, 12 out of the past 14 years. So, like, they just live in the playoffs. Just every single year, I expect them to go to the playoffs. Like, for some of you who are Redskins fans, you you don't feel that way about your team. <laughs> but, but, but I expect my team to go to the playoffs because they're always in the playoffs. I just kind of take it for granted. And do you know how sick that is? Like, do you know how demented it is that I just expect it? I'm not even surprised they're in the playoffs because like, there are 32 teams in the NFL. Only 12 of them make it to the playoffs. That's just over a third make it to the playoffs. But I, like when my team makes it, I'm just like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, like, I just kind of take it for granted, and, and, and I think sometimes when you're around something that's great, when, when you're around something that's amazing, after a while, you can start to yawn at the amazing, and in the same way, we're part of an amazing church. I hope you know that. I hope you understand that. Um, but I've been studying church planting and talking with a lot of people who lead churches and things like that, and, and when I've told them about some of the things God has done through this church... Uh, they said that that is amazing. Like the things that we've seen so far in just 15 weeks don't typically happen to most churches in a whole year. And uh, so I just want to take a moment to set an Ebenezer, to set a stone, to say this far has God brought us, but I believe he has greater things in store for us as a church. And so uh, I, I just want to recap with you. We've been in existence. Today is 15 weeks, and so we're a very young church um, but in 15 weeks, we've seen 18 people get baptized. And um, I wish, I don't, I don't think you understand what that means. No, no. 
Here's what we did. And again, maybe it's because you've heard it before. But, but here's what we did. We made room in heaven for 18 more people. 18 people's eternities are going to be forever changed because of what we've seen happen in this church. That's amazing. And we should never, ever take that for granted. But I believe that there's greater things in store. As a church, we've been averaging about 146 people on a Sunday. That's amazing to be 15 weeks old and be averaging 146 people on a Sunday. We just saw 246 people this past Christmas Eve. Most churches don't even see 246 people on a Sunday. We saw that this past Christmas Eve. We're only 15 weeks old, okay? Again, this is just the beginning. I want to set that out so that this is a mile marker. As a church, uh, we give away the first 10% of everything we bring in. So far, we have earmarked $8,500 to give away. Yeah, that's good. Right. We've already given uh, uh, some of that away. We've given away... Uh, at least 2,500 of that so far to Jacob and Elizabeth Smith, who are uh, missionaries to Papua New Guinea, to write the scriptures there for them in their own language so they have a copy of the scriptures. We've given away uh, money to Souls for Souls, $1,000, and we've been collecting shoes for them. They provide shoes for people who don't have shoes. And so we, we're doing amazing things with that. On, on December 21st, we took up our Beyond offering. This is our, our one, once a year kind of special offering that we do, and we said that we were going to give half of it away to the Crisis Pregnancy Center, and the other half we're saving for future growth and, and, and to see more people come to discover who God is. And um, on December 21st, for the Beyond Offering, we brought in $7,150.50. Yeah. And so that's good. And so half of that is going away. The other half is, is being saved. Like, like, as a church, we've seen some amazing things take place. We have about 40 volunteers who come and help set up and serve during the week. That's about 25% of our church, and so we can get that number up. That means that about 75% of our church is not serving, but we can, we can get that number up. We can increase that, and so if you're not serving, uh, please stop by the orange table, sign up. We want to tell you about some of the areas that you can give your gifts and abilities and talents to make a difference in other people's lives. Uh, we've seen 23 people sign up for groups. That's about 16% of our church, and I think we can get that number up too. And so if you're not in a group, stop by the orange tables. We got a list of all the different groups you can sign up. They start not, not this week, but next week. But God has brought us through some amazing things to this point here. And I don't want us to take it for granted because even though these things are really amazing, they're really great, if we, can, if we take it for granted and we just kind of yawn at the amazing, then I believe God will stop doing amazing things in our church until we are amazed at it again. And so we shouldn't take this for granted. But this is just the beginning. This is just a mile marker. This is just a moment in the history of our church because our best days are still ahead. The best really is yet to come. This is just the starting line for us. This is not the finish line. Next year, it's only up and to the right, right? Like next year, I really believe, I can't wait for when we see 600 people come on Christmas Eve. I can't wait for next year for our Beyond Offering. We raise 40,000 and we give half of it away, right? Like I can't wait for next year when we're uh, moving into two worship experiences. I can't wait for next year when we see 52 people get baptized. That's one for every week of the year, right? I can't wait to see what God has planned for us, but I really believe that it's up and to the right 
from here, and we get to be a part of this. And so this far has God brought us, but he's going to blow the roof off next year. He's going to do great and amazing things as long as we're willing to put in the work and we're willing to do the things God is calling us to do. And so next year, I want to help you ensure that it can be the best year of your life. And here's, here's how I think we can do that. You know, as a church, we talk about participation and getting engaged in the life of this church. We really believe that church isn't a chair, that it's not some place that you just come and sit on a Sunday and then talk about whether it was good or not or if the band played your songs or anything like that. But it, it's a community. And so that's what we're engaging in. And we talk about getting engaged in the life of this community by engaging in the four Gs, growth, groups, gifts, and giving. I believe that if you fully engage in all four Gs this year, then you'll see that this is going to be the best year of your life. Because these four Gs force you out of your comfort zone. They stretch you beyond your capacity. They call you to something greater. When you engage in growth, uh, what that means is that you become a bringer. That you bring people to come experience what you're experiencing. But if you're going to do that, it means that you need to be in tune with God. That as you talk with your friends, your family, your coworkers, you're saying to them, hey, this is what God is doing in my life. This is how he's changing me. Hey, you know I used to be this way, but now I'm not anymore. You know I used to do these things, but now I don't anymore. Here, let me tell you why. I'm a part of an amazing church that's doing great and amazing things. I think you should just come and see. And so you, you become a bringer, and you start bringing people. And as you bring people, not only will you grow this church, but you'll also grow the kingdom of God. That means that your friends, families, and coworkers are exposed to a gospel message, the good news about Jesus that has the potential to change their life forever. And as you continue to bring people to grow this church, to grow the kingdom of God, you also grow yourself. Because it means that you need to have a fresh relationship with God, like a Twitter feed relationship with God, not a Wikipedia page relationship with God. Y'all know what I'm saying when I say that? You can think about it later. But, but th that means that you got to know what God is doing in your life. And if that's the case, he's going to grow you. He's going to stretch you. He's going to take you beyond where you thought you would be into even greater things. And so would you bring people? Would you engage in growth? Uh, the other G is groups. Man, again, we, we believe that church is not just some place where we come and sit in rows and we sit in a seat. Like, I would hate it. I would hate it if your experience of the rising is one where you come in and you don't know anybody and you sit alone and the only people you talk to are our greeters. And so we want to make it easy for you to get to know people. That's why we have groups so that when you come, you can engage with other people. You can build relationships with other people because it's in our groups that um, you're going to talk about some life-changing things that's going to cause you to look at how you're living and what you're doing and say, God, how can I get closer to you? It's in our groups that you're going to build friendships and relationships with other people. Because if you just come and you sit in a row, eventually you're going to stop coming. And so we want you to know some people. We want you to engage with some people because we're building a community. We're not building a service on Sunday. And so if you're not in a group, again, I just want to say, stop by the orange tables. Sign up today. We have a list of some really amazing groups. Because um, we were created for community. And if you engage in a group, it'll be the best year of your life because you'll build relationships, you'll discover some things about yourself, and uh, you'll get to meet some really interesting people.
<laughs> that's always a great thing. Uh, also, uh, another G is gifts. Man, I believe that everybody here has gifts, abilities, and talents that God has given you to make a difference in the world and in his church. Like I said, 25% of our church is serving right now. That means that there's 75% who are burying their gifts. Like God has given you something to do to make a difference in the lives of other people. And I just want to give you the opportunity to use those gifts, to serve in some way. It's an every other week commitment. And if you decide to serve, if you say, I'm not going to just sit on the sidelines and observe, but I'm going to get engaged in this, then what you see happen in this church will mean so much more to you. Because when you see somebody decide to accept Jesus and they get baptized, if you're serving, you know that you had a part in that. You know that you created an irresistible environment for them to come to, to drop their kids off at um, to, to, to feel welcome and warm like when you came in and you said hi to them and you remembered their name. You, you know you created it because you helped set up chairs and, and, and you participated in what was going on. So you had a, a hand in that decision and it means so much more to you. How amazing is that to be able to say, I, I had a hand in helping change someone's eternity. When you serve, you get to say that. And so I just want to give you the opportunity to have a hand in helping change somebody's life forever, to, to discover what you have in you, because God has given you gifts to give, not to bury. And so we got places to go. We got things to do. We got more territory to take over. We got more people to reach, and we need you on board, and we want to give you the opportunity to get on board. And so if you're not serving, would you sign up today at the orange tables and get in on this? Because it's good. God has greater things for us, and I want you to be a part of it along for the ride and participating in it. The, the last one is, is giving. And um, this, is, this is the idea that as a church, we just want to live with open hands. Like we believe everything comes from God. And so we want to live with open hands because we believe God is constantly blessing us and we want to have room to receive what God is giving us. Uh, but when we live with open hands, it also means that we're generous and we give. Uh, if we live with clenched fists, then we won't be able to receive what God is wanting to give us. And at the same time, we hold on to all of our own stuff and we never experience generosity. But I want to invite you to engage in giving because as you do that, you'll discover that you begin to care about the things God cares about. As you begin to trust God with the tithe and you bring it back and you give to God through the church, you don't give to the church, you give to God. As you give to God through the church, then you'll discover that you start to care more about the things that are going on here. You'll discover that you start to see people in a different way. And, and, and it just changes your whole outlook on life as you embrace generosity. And so this year, 2015, I believe it has the potential to be the best year of your life if you engage in these four Gs. So would you be a bringer? Would you use your gifts to make a difference in the lives of other people? Would you get involved in community and, and, and get to know some people? And, and, and maybe, maybe they need you in their life. But if you're not in a group, you're depriving them of that. And, and then also, would you, would you just trust God with your finances? Would you be a giver? Would you be generous and bring back what's God's already? 
as we continue to do this, I believe that we'll see greater things as a church, and I believe that you'll see greater things in your own life. You know, I got to tell you that it humbles me every Sunday to see people walking through the doors. I'm like, man, people are coming back. <laughs> That's great. But it humbles me to see that, that you would want to be a part of a church that's making a difference in the world, that you would get behind the vision that we have to see people far from God raised to true life. And I'm honored that people give their time, that they come here early to serve, to set up. And it just amazes me that I get to lead this whole thing. Often I don't feel that I'm very qualified to do it. But it, it, it just amazes me to see the things God has done in the lives of the people of this church so far. And I can't wait for next year. I can't wait to see how much more ground we take next year. I can't wait to see how many people come to discover Jesus and, and have their lives radically changed because of the work that we do as a community. I cannot wait to see what God has in store for us because the best is yet to come. It is. The best is yet to come in your life and the best is yet to come in this church. You know, as we enter into 2015, for somebody today, the best decision you can make is a decision to enter into the next year in a relationship with Jesus. Hey, if you've never accepted Jesus, if you've never given your life to him, if you've never made the choice to stand and identify with him, I want to give you that choice, or I want to give you that decision, the opportunity to make that decision now. Um, if you believe that Jesus died for you, that he rose again from the dead, and you say, God, I want in on what you're doing. I want you in my life, and I want to follow you. If you've never been baptized into him, we want to give you the opportunity to be baptized today. We have the hot tub set up. We had it set up since last week. Last Sunday, we saw six people get baptized. Um, and before we tear it down today, I just want to give you the opportunity to make that decision. If you've never been baptized, if you've never accepted Jesus, in a moment, we're going to take communion, and we'll get up to go to the various tables. And as we get up and then uh, the moving around, I want to invite you to walk to the back where we have some people on our VIP team who would love to talk with you, pray with you, answer any questions you have, and then get you ready to get baptized. If you believe that Jesus died for you, rose again from the dead, and you say, God, I want to follow you, then there's nothing that stops you. We have a change of clothes for you. We'll give you a shirt to wear that you can keep. We have towels that we can uh, use to dry you off with or you can dry yourself off with. And um, I just want to give you that opportunity. You know, what we discover in Scripture is that when we get baptized, um, Jesus forgave us on the cross of all of our sins, but it's in baptism that we reach out and we accept the forgiveness he's given us. We discover in Scripture that when we're baptized, our sins are washed away that we have a fresh new start, a clean slate. We can start over in a relationship with God. And so I believe that for somebody here today, if you need to make that decision, we're ready for you. We want to give you that opportunity. 
again, as we take communion, just walk back there. We have some people on our VIP team who'd love to show you where to go, what to do, and we can make that happen today. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray you are inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more information on The Rising, visit wearetherising.com.